Assalamu alaikum all. Welcome to another episode of In Conversation, brought to you in association with the Reorient Journal, part of the Critical Muslim Studies Project. Right, so the temperature seems to be plummeting in the global north in more ways than one. So I hope all my fellow Brits and Northerners are keeping warm <laughs> these days. Uh, so today, what we have for you is an episode with um, a friend that we made at the International Islamophobia Studies Research Association uh, launch conference in the summer, which was held in Istanbul at the Ibn Haldun uh, University campus. And it was a brilliant campus, a brilliant uh, experience. And it was definitely in uh, sunnier and warmer climes, uh, certainly. So our topic for discussion for today is the myth of religious violence, which is the focus of the work done by our guest today, Adam Olawo. Let's listen in. Assalamu alaikum all. Welcome to this new episode of In Conversation. Today I have uh, with us, or we have with us, I should say, uh, Mr. Adam Olawo. Uh, please could you introduce yourself, Adam? Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for the um, warm, warm, warm welcome. Uh, my name is Adam Olawo. Um, I'm a Nigerian and um, I'm currently taking my Master's in Religion and Global Politics at the Department of Religion and Philosophy at Soros University of London. I had my bachelor's at the um, International Islamic University in Malaysia. And um, I also sub-studied for, I think, six months in Turkey as well for my exchange program, after which I went to Hamad bin Khalifa University in Qatar for my master's in comparative religion. So, um, yeah, that's basically it. All right, quite a list of universities there. <laughs> um, okay, so I just wanted to um pick up a question with you and the question is that of the myth of religious violence and i think right. this is what we're going to focus on um for today's episode and obviously the connected notions of you know the concepts of religion and secularism yeah. so obviously i think we first should start as is always good practice with defining what we're talking about so could you please explain to our listeners what is the myth of religious violence? When you or others uh, in the field use this concept, what are you referring to? All right, thank you. Um, the myth of religious violence, I mean, a good number of studies on religion and politics have espoused the view that establishes a direct connection between religion and violence. So they promote the idea that religion has a peculiar tendency to, prom to promote violence and they provided different arguments, historical, theological, political, and so on, to, to back their claims. So the crux of the argument of the myth of religious violence is that there's something called religion different from the secular aspect of human life, like politics, economics, diplomacy, nationalities, and so on, that has a peculiar, dangerous inclination to promote violence for three major reasons. The first one is that religion is inherently absolutist. The second one is that religion is divisive. 
And the third one is that religion is irrational and barbaric. And because of all these three major reasons, it makes religion peculiarly and inherently prone, prone to violence. And the secular, on the other hand, even if it causes violence, is always, and as opposed to religion, rational, peacemaking, and good. So the invasion of the US in, in Iraq or any other place in the world is always considered to be rational because they're promoting democracy and, and liberal secular values and stuff. So this secular, this religious secular divide and the marginalization of religion, the marginalization of religious ideal is what is referred to as the notion of religious violence. Put simply that there's something called religion that is inherently secular, and then there's something called um, secular, that, uh, sorry, that, that there's something called religion that is inherently prone to violence, and that there's something called secular that is not, that is good and peacemaking and good. So in a sense, the myth of religious violence attempts to create a concept of religion that is troublesome in nature and violence-oriented, in contrast to the secular, which otherwise is rational. So a raft of, mm -hmm. of literature exists on why religion is essentially prone to violence. The argument and examples, um, they, they provide argument and examples which ranges across different academic disciplines, gives different explanations is particularly prone to um, prone, particularly troublesome. So we can talk about um, Duffy Tuft, we can talk about John Eek, we can talk about Charles Kimberley in, um, in our book, When Religion Turned Evil, we can talk about Richard Wentz and many others. So yeah, that, that's that's it. Okay. Um, so what it seems to me, based on what you've just uh, highlighted or what you've just said, is that the myth of religious violence, you could actually argue that it's a way of distinguishing between legitimate violence and non-legitimate violence. Would this be something, would this be an accurate reading? Do you think? Yeah, that is, that is perfect. That's, that's very, yeah, that's very basic, but yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, so I'd want to ask you to go through some of the theories of the names that you mentioned um, already. Um, yeah. What what did they actually say? What did they go through? Could you give us a bit more of the particulars around their ideas? Yeah. Um, for example, Duffy Toft in Getting Religion, uh, in an article, Getting Religion, The Troublesome Case of Islam and Civil Religion, tries to uh, construct, uh, provided arguments about why Islam in particular is uh, prominent and uh, troublesome and inherently prone to violence. John Heek as well in The Non-Absoluteness of Christianity argued that religion is absolutist and that the claims of other religions to absolute validity and to a consequent superiority have likewise sanctified violent aggression, exploitation, and intolerance. The same as uh, Charles, Charles Kimberley in, in, our, in our book, When Religion Turned Evil, she provided five warning signs of when religion turns evil. And she says when religion becomes absolutist in, in the sense that it is dogmatic. People, when they say do this, people just do it. So when mm. religion religion becomes absolutist, it becomes evil and becomes violent. There's also the question of blind following, uh, blind obedience. There's also the question of um, of uh, holy war and stuff. That, that was some of the characteristics that uh, Charles Kimberley um, uh, highlighted in our in our book. Also, Richard Wentz in in in, a, in his book that talked about that, uh, that is titled "Why People Do Bad Things in the Name of Religion." Also talked about the absoluteness, absolutism of, of, of religion. And secondly, um, there are also scholars like Mark Georgensmeyer that talked about religion and 
and it's um, the characteristic of being div divisive in a way that um, religion, especially an Abrahamic religion, does not want to associate with other religions that does not, you know, orient around the concept of uh, a single God or 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 monotheism and, and, and stuff like that. So that is that is basically like kind of a summary of of the arguments that are provided. And um, I hope I was I'm able to answer your question with that. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's fine. It's a bit more uh, flesh to the bones there. Um, so let's move on. So we've explained, you know, the myth of religious violence and you've gone through some of the thinkers um, who've spoken about this. So what have been some of the responses to this myth? Like, who has responded um, to this myth? What have they said? Um, how have they critiqued this myth, uh, so to speak? Yeah, um, uh, I think one, one of them is uh, Sam Harris, who raised a question about specifically about um, Osama bin Laden and asked that why, is, he asked that, why does Osama bin Laden do what he does? I mean, mm -hmm. why do why do all these people? Let's take for example. There's also the question of Boko Haram in Nigeria. Why does Shekau, who is the leader of the group, comes out and do what he does in terms of come out and say that we are fighting for the name of religion and we want to create an Islamic caliphate or an Islamic an, an Islamic state in Nigeria so that everybody is going to conform to the to the Islamic principles and values and they would they would you know take uh accept the islamic religion and do everything according to the stipulations of the quran and the mm -hmm. so this is one of the questions and he, he said that um it it his uh, answer was that he does it because it believes in the literal truth of the quran so it also speaks to the uh absoluteness of of, of religion like islam whereby um they are only doing this because the Quran tells them to do it. So this is to say that there is nothing, uh, the, the, the ground or the argument that religious violence is a myth does not stand because a lot of all these people, these fundamentalist, um, uh, religious fundament, fundamentalists that try to promote uh, uh, a kind of um, a, a world where everything is religion, this is the claim that they, they provide that Islam or, or any other thing is what everyone should should associate with. So this is one of the arguments provided. But according to um, um, uh, William Kavanaugh, he said that it is it's going to be unjust to, all, to view this violence in terms of religion alone, because there are lots of uh, categories and there are lots of conditions involved. We talked about the question of um, the factors, uh, political factors, economic factors, cultural factors, and other, and other factors as well. So... Um, uh, yes, I think I think um, yeah, I'm able to answer your question with that. Or you want me to continue? I think um, just to expand a bit more on uh, with William Kavanaugh. What does he actually say that goes? You know, that critiques the myth of violence. Like, how does yeah. he actually critique it? Yeah, um, he critiqued the myth of uh, religious violence by saying that um, the myth itself serves a particular purpose in the West. Domestically, it says that the myth or the myth of religious violence, that religions um, uh, inherently prone to violence, domestically serves a purpose for the West because it helps to construct and marginalize a religious order. It gives them their enemy that, okay, we are the liberal democratic um, uh, state and then we are fighting against the religious order, which is irrational. So it gives them the enemy and it gives them the reason to be able to invade different countries. Secondly, is that it, it legitimizes marginalization of certain types of practices and groups. 
uh, for example, the usage, the usage of his hijab in the U.S. and and other stuff like that. And then in foreign policy, he says that the meat serves to cast non-secular social orders, especially Muslim communities, in the role of the villain, and it provides the secular character its formidable enemy, which is which is Islam. So this is one of the um, one of the uh, purpose of, of, according to which, uh, the purpose of the myth of religious violence, as as highlighted by by Kavanaugh. So what Kavanaugh is trying to do is that is Kavanaugh's argument was was that the the idea of religion itself is a modern is a modern phenomenon is a modern construct because the binary of religion and and the secular is something that does not exist in the medieval period. And he made mention of of the Byzantine Empire, uh, the Byzantine uh, where. Uh, Christianity, uh, the Pope is the is the head of state and the head of government. So the, the Pope is the one in charge of everything. Mm. And then the, the Muslim world the, in in Arabia, where the Khalifa is the one that takes charge of everything. So there's no there's no artificial binary or separation between religion and politics or religion and the secular. But then, as in the modern period, especially um, d- during the Protestant Revolution, everything changed. And the, the 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 binary of religion and, and politics um, became widespread. You talk about the um, the theories of uh, Max Weber's disenchantment of the world. You talk about Emil Durkheim's relocation, and then lots of other theories, all of which calls towards the separation of religion and politics. So this is where the West got their they are, they are the, the binary of religion and politics from our religion is the secular from and this is how the legitimizing myth of the religion of the myth of, of religious violence became became um, um, uh, became found was founded in the west okay thank you for that i think um my next question is you you touched on this um a bit before but it's just something i want to tease out and maybe get you to speak a bit more on is that why Islam in particular is seen as particularly prone to violence? I think you mentioned this in relation to a thinker whose uh, name has escaped me at the moment. Um, but you said that there was a thinker who wrote a piece on this. So I'd want you to explain this a bit further, as in why Islam in particular, even out of the Abrahamic faiths, uh, is seen as particularly prone to violence. So uh, I think that the, the the thing that, that I mentioned was uh, Duffy Toft. And then... Yeah. She, she gave a number of reasons, but uh, the dominant one was that, first of all, Islam is inherently prone to violence much more than other religion because of its uncompromising spirit. And what does uncompromising spirit mean? It's because of the, the dogmatic element of Islam itself. There's a strict adherence to the, to the Quran and the Sunnah. And um, when, you, um, when, Muslim, when Muslims talk about anything, it's always, it's always towards that objective. So the Quran talks about, you know, establishing uh, a caliphate. The Quran talks about um, um, morality and, and every other thing. And they're all striving towards, towards creating a world or a space whereby Muslims are able to conform to these values. Secondly, is about the question of sacrifice. She talked about the question of sacrifice as well and how, you know, uh, the followers of Islam are always advised to discount um, physical survival. So the, the the idea is that the world is nothing. It's going to end. And what you should, what Muslims should always aim for, is for the um, the hereafter, the the day of resurrection, where they are going to be repaid. And you know, 
um, repaid for everything they've done in this world, the good things they've done, and then they'll live happily ever after, right? So that's that's mm. that's the major, the dominant reason she provided, which is the uncompromising spirit of uh, spirit of Islam and the the idea of sacrifice, which um, which makes them not want to think about their life in this world, and the only thing they want to think about is the reward that is waiting for them in um, in the day of resurrection. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's shift a bit, I think, and take... Hmm. So you basically said at the beginning that, um, or right at the beginning, you described the myth of religious violence in very interesting terms, where you said that something called religion is as distinct from something called secularism. Yeah. Now, obviously, those two things provide the basis of the entire myth of religious violence. Okay, because without religion and without secularism, there can be no religious violence. Because if there's nothing called religion, then there's nothing called religious violence. Exactly. Now, there's a lot of work done by decolonial scholars and even others who may not consider themselves to be decolonial in that in any way, shape, or form, that actually contests the validity of the categories of religion and secularism outside of Europe. And so my question would be that if we are contesting the category of religion or if we're no longer using it, if it's you know seen to be as part of you know the Orientalist imposition on the other and the Islamic other as well, shouldn't we just simply ignore the question of religious violence as one that doesn't make sense? Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. Um, in terms of the, the colonial scholars that talks about the um, the binary of religion and the secular, which Talal Assad is representational, uh, he talked about the Siamese twins in the um, formation yeah. of the circular that um, the category of religion and the secular is, is a modern concept and that both of them cannot, uh, they are inextricably linked and cannot be separated. And Joseph Casanova also, with the theory of the multiple modernities, also touched on it this a bit. But just to respond to your question, I think I'd like to use um, the idea, go with the idea of um, Jack Derrida, who, who is not particularly of the theological um, discipline, but at least wrote a lot of things about, about religion. And wrote, his main concern was particularly with uh, the question of speech and writing of which he tried to deconstruct the metaphysics, uh, metaphysics of presence and trying to, um, you know, um, complicate the binary of speech and writing. But, but his, um, his, 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 theory on the, uh, his, his theory of the construction can also be applied to the question of religion and politics as well. So what he was trying to say is that binaries are always a problem because at the end of the day, when there's binary, there's always... Uh, one that is considered good and the other is always con considered subservient. So mm. I, I wouldn't say that um, because we are contesting the, the binary of um, religion and, um, and, and the secular is being contested, uh, it, is, it, is, um, it is okay or it, is, it, is, um, uh, it, it would be, um, it would be, it would be okay to, to forget the question of uh, religion and uh, re religious violence. First of all is that the category itself is not that the category does not exist. It exists, but then it is the 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 um, the attribution of 
of good and bad to one of them and the 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 idea that it should be separated although there are, there are two categories but it should not be they are inextricably linked. They are like, they are they are mm. in 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 one another. It cannot be. They are interwoven, right? So it exists, but then it should not be seen as two completely separate categories. It's it's a kind of category that is intertwined. So what we have to do is not forget the question of religious violence, but to see how we can approach it without necessarily marginalizing it. Hmm. I don't know if I if if that makes sense. It does make sense in terms of like, you know, you're using the Derridean deconstruction to kind of show how one part of a binary is in the other and thereby. But then the thing is, again, we come to this thing that Derrida actually said that thereby you collapse the binary. You don't still keep it. You collapse it. That was the point. Yeah. Um... So then if you collapse the binary of religion and secularism, as you've pointed out, the Lalasad says, you know, they're Siamese twins. Um, the whole thing falls apart. You see, and so then to say to somebody who lives in the post-Western world, um, you know, or post-Westernese world, um, like you know, there's religious violence. That question, that statement, simply won't make sense because if the category has been shown to be, you know, broken, as it were. Um, through basically genealogical work showing how, you know, it was never the same during time. We had uh, Cicero's Religio, then we have John Baudin, John Locke, you know, developing this. It, this wasn't a transhistorical, uh, you know, concept. Um, then how can we still rescue this, as it were? Yeah, um, I would just like to say that the main idea here is not that religion cannot cause violence. Religion can cause violence. But what we're trying to contest is that religion alone mm. should not be taken as the only factor in, in violence. So when people come out and say that, okay, uh, Muslims in, a part, in, in this part of the world are fighting, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't rush to the conclusion that it is only religion that is behind that violence. That's number one. Secondly is that... Uh, the second point here is not is not that um we, should, we we the argument here is not that we need to forget religious violence. It's just that we need to also look at the other underlying factors that that contribute to violence. And like I said, the political, the economic, and the um the but, social and the cultural aspect. And that's sec that's the second point. Again, so, again, just to sorry to interject, but if you're looking at all these other factors what exactly then is the religious factor what are you trying to describe because why can't you just simply say that a reading of the quran that sees you know that we need to establish the halifa why can't that just be political rather than religious because it's to do with the quran oh yeah that's a very and that's a very good question and it goes back to the construct as well uh, that uh, the construct itself is 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 a problem but then, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's but this, this is what I mean that we're not, uh, don't get me wrong, we're not forgetting the thing called religious violence. Yeah, what I'm trying to say to you with this last question, which seems to have sparked quite a bit of a discussion, so I'm quite happy <laughs> about that, um, is yes. that we're not ignoring the violence or forgetting it, but in terms of the concept of religion as an explanatory factor, I can't see what work it's doing, especially when you're saying that. You know, we should look at political, social, or other factors 
then what exactly is left for religion? Just simply the words of the Quran and the Sunnah. But then where would you put, I don't know, um, people may take the rulings of Al-Mawradi, uh, the one who wrote Akam al-Sultaniyah, you know, yeah. the blueprint for the Halif that, you know, yeah. HT used. Like, is that a religious document or is it a sociological document or is it a political document? Hmm. This is this is actually interesting. And um, I've never really uh, had to think about this, but uh, what I would say is that I think I agree with you that since we, we since we are kind of um, talking about the deconstruction of uh, of the religion and the secular, then it it, it would only it, it is only rational or it would only make sense that we just uh, refer to everything as as being political. So uh, the um, indeed, yeah, yeah. So the um, the 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 um, insurgency in northern Nigeria of Boko Haram would not be seen from a religious perspective, but from from a political perspective, because they are claiming to 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 develop or to implement a different kind of ideology that is different from the secular aspect. I, I understand that, but what this um, what the idea of religious uh, myth of myth of religious violence kind of want to address is the. Um, is the uh, quickness of people to rush to conclusion just because they want to marginalize religion. So the the the, the um, binary is there now. People, this is what everyone believes. The binary is there. There's something called religion and there's something called um, and, and secular in the West. So it, it is there. So this is what we're trying to deconstruct. Ah, Maybe when it has been deconstructed, then we can then approach the question of, okay, why not? Why why can't we forget about religious violence and kind of see everything from the lenses of, of the political? Mm. See, you qualified it there. You said that this binary exists in the West. But even in the West, people are uh, critiquing the idea of religion and critiquing the idea of secular, the you know, the religious secular split. Those ideas have been critiqued for quite a while now, even for, um, you know, within Europe, within, you know, the larger West, as it were. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll leave it there for today. <laughs> We've had a very interesting discussion. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, yeah that I'm, really I'm happy. I'm happy to, I think, I, I don't know, maybe I'll be, I'll be around the University of Leeds very soon, probably next week. I'm happy to come see you and then you can, be, you can enlighten me about this, uh, this question a bit. Okay. Uh, oh, likewise. Um, so uh, I think we'll end there and we'll say thank you very much to our listeners. Thank you, Adam, for joining us. Thank you. This is an episode of In Conversation brought to you by Network Reorient, the podcast wing of the Critical Muslim Studies Project. Your host has been Hizamir and the episode has been sound engineered by Zubair Vakil. Thank you for tuning in. Have a listen to our other episodes and please leave a like and a rating.